help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And as always, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You have questions for Savan. And his number directly anytime is uh, 416-216-5910. Want to talk uh, in a little bit here about injurycalculator.ca. What an amazing app this is. And it's helping people and giving people a nice ballpark figure and the first step in moving forward if they have a claim or a potential claim and whether they want to do so, right? But first, we always start with the week that was. How was it? Uh, it was extremely busy as always, okay. John. Yep. Uh, beautiful weather outside. Hopefully, uh, we have some people listening. Uh, if not, then <laughs> nice. uh, people know that they can just go <laughs> to our it. website and download the, uh, the this episode. Uh, always really important information that we give out. This week, I had uh, I had a question posted uh, to the website that we had created a while back, myaccidentquestions.com. dot mm-hmm. And if people go onto that website, you'll see that I answered the question. And this was an interesting question because it comes out. Um, uh, quite often that, that I have people asking me whether uh, these are individuals who are helping someone who's injured with things around the house, uh, uh, with shopping, with, you know, a variety of things. that They need help person, with, right? Exactly. Yeah. And can they get compensated yes. for that? So let me read the question and then I'll, I'll go through the answer so Got people it. out there uh, know what to expect. So this individual, his name is Bill. He's from Midland. And, and he wrote, a friend of mine who also happens to be my tenant, renting a room in my house for reduced rent, uh, in exchange for housekeeping duties, laundry, cooking, etc., was hurt in a slip and fall accident outside a grocery store, and now needs a knee replacement due to due to the Ooh. fall. Uh, so it's a pretty bad injury. Yeah. Since the accident, she has not been able to do anything as she can barely walk. Therefore, I have went from being her landlord to full time caregiver twenty four seven, plus taking her to appointments, doctor appointments, specialist appointments, shopping, etc. Uh, and this person says, uh, uh, um, because of this, uh, uh, I have not been able to, to, to make mortgage payments, mm-hmm. utility payments. I'm constantly getting collection and disconnection notices. My question is this. Can I be compensated for caregiver duties that I have been uh, uh, providing to her? Uh, he says she's retained a lawyer and the lawsuit is underway. But her lawyer is telling me that she can only uh, – sorry, that, that the only thing that, that I'm entitled to is mileage for taking her to appointments no. and shopping. Now, John, we've gone through this quite yes. a few times. That's absolute nonsense. Big time. One of the claims that an injured person can make when they're, when they're injured is for out-of-pocket expenses. And one of the categories of out-of-pocket expenses is when you're dealing with a situation mm-hmm. where uh, uh, you, you have a friend or you have a neighbor or you have yep. a family member who's providing some services. And all you have to do is you have to have some kind of, of an agreement in writing. And it can be just a note that says an in exchange. As simple for, as that. Just type yeah. something up saying, here's what you're doing and for IOU, me. List of exactly. items. Exactly. Itemize okay. it. Make okay. sure that you have it. You don't have to pay that right. person as you go along. You just gotcha. have to make sure that you record when those services were provided. What were they? You know, cleaning the house, you know, two hours last Mowing week. Mowing the lawn, picking up groceries. Exactly. Doing and people ask me, well, what do I put down as the rate? Well, you know, be reasonable. It all comes down to being reasonable. Yeah, it's not 200 you know, bucks an hour. Like, it's not 200 bucks an hour. <laughs> yeah, it's not right. going to be two bucks an hour. Exactly. Uh, so you make sure that you have this record and you make sure you have this uh, itemized in a chart. And then your friend who's injured will be able to make that claim gotcha. as part of their claim. And the fact that the lawyer is giving them that advice, which, which is incorrect, is concerning because I don't know what else that person is not claiming for this injured individual. Right. So very, very important for people out there. Again, myaccidentquestions.com. If you have any questions, you want to ask them anonymously, you'll get the answers uh, within minutes. You got it. Next case. Next case. This is an interesting one, too, and a very unfortunate one. I got a call from a 36-year-old man uh, who had a slip and fall last September uh, on, on some water in a store. I think it was a rainy day. That's, that's what he was saying. Okay. And they weren't really cleaning. It was a, it was a very busy time. Uh, and the problem there with him is that he, he was in a car accident five years before, and he suffered pretty bad injuries to his back. He had surgery. 
Uh, now, he had recovered to an extent. He was able to go back to work. He's an engineer. He works in a factory. It's a semi-physical job. And he had been working full-time mm-hmm. in the few years before this slip and fall last September. But re-aggravated? Uh, re- exactly, yeah. re-aggravated. Re-aggravated to the point where he had to go back to his uh, specialist, to the orthopedic surgeon, and now there is discussion about another surgery. Oh. But his concern, and in fact, interestingly enough, he actually went to another lawyer, and the other lawyer says, well, if you were in another accident and you had all these issues before, you're not going to be able to claim much. Again, nonsense. You've talked about this 100 times. I have. You're not cl- you can't claim for an injury that predated the accident. But if you were vulnerable as a result of a prior injury or a health condition, and because of somebody's negligence, you now re-aggravated this condition or your condition became worse you are entitled to compensation, period, full stop. There's no question about that. And that goes back to a, um, uh, to a concept called thin skull. I'll talk more about that, John, no after kidding. we come back from break. It's a very interesting concept. We'll take a break, and uh, we'll get to the injury calculator as well. If you're not familiar with this, we'll give you full details. Not in the meantime, myaccidentquestions.com, 416-216-5910. That is Savan's number. And help at theinsurancelawyer.ca for emails. And, of course, we'd love to hear you here on the air until uh, 1 o'clock this afternoon, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Right here, Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. Yeah, when the show is not on the air, and uh, Savannah is a full-time uh, lawyer, that's what his uh, other life is, 416-216-5910, and uh, in- uh, injurycalculator.com, we'll get, or .ca, we'll get to that in just a moment. But we're right in the middle of a case you were talking about, uh, and you weren't referring to me, but thin skull was the, uh, was the term you used. That's right, thin okay. skull, which seems like an interesting uh, term to <laughs> use uh, in personal nice. injury. Yeah. No, it's not nice, and, and it's... Um, it's an interesting concept, uh, and, and it goes to the heart of what do you do with a person who has uh, a medical condition or injuries uh, that the person suffered before suffering another injury that had aggravated a prior injury or a health condition. Gotcha. Uh, and, and the thin skull rule evolved from, uh, from cases in England uh, centuries ago where you had uh, an individual that had a rare genetic condition, and he actually literally had a thin skull. Mm-hmm. And there were, pe- there were some people who were horsing around uh, with this uh, individual, and someone kicked him in the head, and his skull fractured, and he died. And the argument, the defense that they brought up at trial was, uh, you know, this person had a thin skull. How would we know? And what the court said there is that that's your problem. The fact that you have this person here who has a very vulnerable, rare genetic condition is not that person's fault. It's your fault. So you take your victim as you find them. Wow. And that uh, principle had, had carried through uh, in every common law country, Australia, England, U.S., Canada. And so what happens here is that when you have someone who has a health condition, so let's say you have a bad back and then you have a slip and fall, and you've aggravated the back, or you know you, you, you tore your shoulder, uh, let's say, halfway by just doing some yard work, then you have a car accident, and suddenly that... Shoulder's half, bad now. It, it, yeah, it's very bad. Now you need surgery because it's, it's a full tear. The insurance company can't come back and say... You know, because you had that half tear, you had that other uh, pre-existing before, condition. Pre condition yeah. You're not precluded from from uh, getting compensation. They can't say that. The courts will always award you compensation for your wow. injuries, uh, so long as you can show. And this is this is very important. So long as you can prove medically that in fact this accident, this slip and fall, or this car accident, in fact aggravated yep. uh, a pre-existing condition. So very important. So this goes back to this gentleman who's 36 years old who called me that I was talking about who had. Uh, 
the car accident five years ago and now potentially is looking at another back surgery. He can make a claim for that uh, new condition. How about the flip side? It, can, it, can it bolster your case? The fact that you had a pre-existing meaning that could it, could it increase your compensation because there was a pre-existing injury? Absolutely. Because it now it's worse because it's been aggravated for a condition you already had? Absolutely. In fact, I have, I have unfortunately a lot of cases uh, uh, th- that I've seen. And even, even as a previous defense lawyer, when I worked for insurance companies and I would get a claim on my desk... And I'm looking at, at the person's medical history, and I know that the adjuster I'm reporting to, you know, would be saying, well, look, this person had all these issues before the accident. You know, we shouldn't be paying for that, uh, for that person's inability now to work. And I said, yes, but before their fall, they were able to work full time. They right. were able to function. Yeah. And, and it comes down to that, John. It comes down to could you function? What was your level of function before the accident, before the negligence of this other party gotcha. that caused you the injury? that now precludes you from doing certain things that you could do before. So yeah, it can bolster your case in that, you know, if, if for example, I'm a 20-year-old, perhaps I'm not going to suffer an injury as badly as someone who's 70-year-old sure. who was just uh, uh, predisposed to, to suffer a lot more as a result of this particular accident. Gotcha. You got a computer open and Google this, www.injurycalculator.ca. Very cool. Give me some details. So this is an interesting tool, John. And and since we've launched it a few weeks back, uh, we've had quite a lot of uh, people using it. Uh, what it is, is it's it's literally an app uh, on that website that's free free to use, free of charge, mm-hmm. anonymous, takes you about 30 seconds, uh, and it allows you to calculate uh, or, or to in fact, get a calculation of your pain and suffering uh, that you could potentially be entitled to awesome. if you make a claim. Now, again, there's some caveats. You can't make a claim for pain and suffering if no one was at fault for your pain and suffering, right? I mean, if you just walk around uh, a mall and you trip on your feet and you fall, you can't make a claim against the mall. But if there was some stuff on the floor and the mall maintenance staff uh, failed to clean it up and you can show that through the inspection right. logs, yes, you are going to be entitled to pain and suffering. And then the question becomes... What is the amount that you're entitled to? And again, this calculator deals with pain and suffering. Of course, you can have other categories of compensation. Mm-hmm. You, you could be dealing with income loss. Uh, you could be dealing with out-of-pocket expenses like we talked about before. So let's run a scenario here. You go to injurycalculator.ca. You click on accident date. So you put in the date that you uh, were injured. You put in the location. Let's say Toronto. Got it. Uh, you put in how old are you? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say 35. Uh, the cause of your injury. Let's put down car accident. Yeah. Then it asks you, who was at fault for the accident? Always someone else. Someone else. <laughs> well, unfortunately, not always. <laughs> but, uh, uh, in this case, let's put someone else. And then it asks you, did the injury affect uh, your ability to earn income? Say yes. Uh, let's say you say yes. Okay. And then it asks you, how did it impact your ability to earn income? You click in whatever applies to you. If you're not working at all, if you're working part-time, whatever it is, you click continue. And then you'll see that you have categories of injuries that you can select. What's your primary injury here? So let's deal, uh, uh, for example, with the gentleman that we just spoke about, the 36-year-old. Let's select back. That's his primary injury. Mm -hmm. And it's asking you, well, did he tear his ligaments, muscles? Is it a disc bulge, a fracture, a sprain, a strain? Let's assume for a second we're dealing with a sprain or a strain to the back. Okay. You see that quite often with car accidents. So I'm clicking on that. Gotcha. Click continue. And then it asks you, do you experience severe chronic pain or did you require surgery? Let's say that you have chronic pain. In other words, you have the type of pain that's been lasting for months. It's going to last for the foreseeable future. It's not going away. Maybe it's a bit better, but it's not going away. So I'll click yes. And then there is a caveat that tells you that it's just dealing with pain and suffering, doesn't deal with other forms of compensation. And it tells you, according to a survey of Canadian cases, you may be entitled to $55,000 to $100,000 for your pain and suffering. 
So yeah. it gives you a ballpark, not a yes. not a finite number. It doesn't right? give you a finite number because every case is unique. Absolutely. But but here here's the interesting thing. The number it gives you here, this is not a number that's it's just springing up. Pulled out of thin air. No, it's yeah. not. No, what happened was that for the last, I would say, almost a year, my staff was combing through Canadian cases, so other case law that went before judges throughout the country for the last few decades, and they've looked at other forms of of injuries, a variety of injuries, uh, uh, di- different different uh, uh, cases that deal with with different types of accidents, and they've pulled all this information together synthesize it, and here's the result. Literally, what you're looking at here, this number, fifty-five dollars to $100,000, is what the Canadian case law uh, uh, represents. So, so historically, if, Historically. Right. So if yeah. you had a lawyer actually do research out there or a law student, this is the range that would come Very up Very cool. A lot of due diligence there in the back end. A ton of yep. due diligence. Check it out right now, www.injurycalculator.ca. More of the show coming up right here, Insurance and Injury Law Show on Talk Radio, AM 640. You can also get a hold of Savannah through email, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca and myaccidentquestions.com. You want to check out the uh, full list of questions. You have queries. You'll probably find the answer there. And, uh, you know, of course, call us uh, during showtime right now, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell phone. I want to get to uh, some emails. And I just mentioned the address there. Uh, I got one here from Susanna from Aurora. Sent this through. Says, I fell on ice in November and I, in November, hired a paralegal. I had hip replacement as a result and have to use a walker. Now, your injury calculator, which we just spoke about before the break, says that hip injuries are worth $90,000 to $165,000. But you said last time that paralegals can only do claims up to $25,000 in small claims court. So why did my paralegal not tell me about this, and do I need a lawyer now? Okay, so Susanna, we're dealing with two questions. Uh, The first one, why didn't your paralegal tell you this? I don't know. I don't know who your paralegal is. Uh, I can tell you that uh, the calculator provided you with the correct amount. Uh, hip fractures uh, are very, very serious. Uh, they, they, they basically mean that your entire uh, um, life is now going to be changed because your, your mobility. mobility may be compromised exactly. It may affect your work. It's very, very significant. I've been dealing, um, interestingly enough, in the last year with quite a few hip fractures, John, and uh, for people of varying ages, mostly for for the elderly population, it's always a hip. It's always hips. It's always hips yeah. because you know, as you get older, you're becoming more vulnerable to that injury. But the problem is that fixing that uh, it's it's extremely um, it's 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 extremely difficult to fix an injury like that mm-hmm. because uh, you know. After uh, you get out of the hospital, you may need a walker, uh, you know, you may need a wheelchair. There's going to be considerations in terms of what to do around the house. So let me go back to the question here. Yes, the injury from a value standpoint for the compensation is 90 to 165,000. Yes. But I've never had a claim, uh, Susanna, this is to you, never had a claim uh, where I represented someone and for hip fracture, this is the amount that they had received. It was always at least two, three, four, five times this amount. Really? And the reason is because, again, keep in mind that when you're dealing with, with, with uh, personal injury claims, you're not just dealing with pain and suffering uh, for the, the injury. You're dealing with everything, uh, with, with, with uh, a variety of categories that we now have to account for. So, for example, you have someone who's 65 years old who had this injury, yes, they're going to get this for pain and suffering, but what about uh, you know, the, the, the wheelchair expense? What about having somebody now help them around the home? What about Having bars members? put in in the shower and uh, the exactly, stairs and all that exactly. stuff, right? What about if you have someone who's still working who now can't work? You got it. And so because this injury is so severe and so significant, 
this goes to the second part of your, of, of your question, you're, you're definitely going to need a lawyer here. A paralegal is only allowed to advance claims in small claims court yeah. from a monetary standpoint. So it doesn't matter how good the paralegal is. It's it doesn't matter. Irrelevant. Can't do it. No, they can't. Right. And in fact, I work with quite a few paralegals uh, who, who refer me cases that is beyond their scope of expertise and what sure. they are able to do. Generally, we're dealing with fractures. Uh, we're dealing with chronic injury type cases. So even if you didn't fracture anything, but you have, for example, a back pain mm-hmm. uh, that's not going away and it's yes. affecting your ability to do things around the home, at work, generally they will give me a call and say, Sivan, can you take a look at this, at this claim cool. uh, and perhaps meet with this individual? And I say, gladly, absolutely. Uh, we do this all the time. So, so again, very, very important to understand that if you've suffered an injury that is this significant, you need a lawyer to be able to advance that kind of a claim. Of course, you have some exceptions if you're dealing with workers' comp and things yes. like that. But generally speaking, if you've suffered an injury like this, like a hip fracture, you definitely need a lawyer to advance that kind of a case. And you'll find that type of amount, by the way, at uh, injurycalculator.ca. And uh, now we're talking about that. I want to mention as well, top right corner, you'll see free consultation, which you just mentioned oh, as absolutely. well. So get your information and then give Savannah a call. Yeah. Uh, 416-870-6400, star 640. And so I want to take this tall, uh, call because it's interesting. This is something I actually asked you yes. through an email earlier this week. Got uh, James and Willow. Hi, James. A question. Uh, very current. Very current stuff you're talking about what is your question i have two daughters yes and they have been using this uber x and actually one of these cars came to the house to pick them up it was just keep the guy driving his own personal car like no license like no taxi nothing like that now i just read in the paper that toronto police did a sting operation where they called 13 of these guys and they laid very serious Highway Traffic Act non-commercial insurance charges. My question is, if someone takes UberX as opposed to a regular taxi, and they get involved in like an accident where, like, you know, severely injured, yep, are you in some kind of like? What would your coverage be if you're just in a private car that's not insured for passengers? That's exactly what I asked you. James, that's an excellent question. This has been a debate in Toronto uh, for months, uh, for, for the past year, actually. I remember speaking on the radio on a few shows about this topic. And the reason why this is a good question is because uh, no one really knows at this point. How about that? And, and here's why. Uh, UberX, uh, they're supposed to have their own insurance. In other words, as is the driver, they're supposed to have their own insurance policy, just like you and I. Uh, on the other hand, Uber has said uh, repeatedly through their representatives uh, in Canada that they also have their own insurance and that they will also respond to claims in the event of accidents. No one knows how this is going to f- uh, uh, play out. In fact, if it will you, eventually. It, w- it will eventually. And, and, and here's, here's the problem. If, God forbid, something happens to them and they get injured, who's, who's responsible to, to, to pay them for accident benefits, for example? If they have their own insurance, right, their own, their own auto insurance at home, then they could potentially be able to recover that way. But I'll tell you what's going to happen here. If there is any litigation, if this goes through the claims process and Uber gets roped in here, mm-hmm. you're going to be dealing with cases that get prolonged for years and years and years. If you were to go on Google right now and type in Uber X. Uh, uh, claims or, or lawsuits down in the States, there's been quite a few cases now where it's been an absolute nightmare, where the company has, has refused to, to indemnify, to respond to claims, uh, where people have been caught in the middle. And so th- there is a black hole right now with Uber. I know that they're trying to gloss over it. There's been a lot of debates there out there. And, and you know, the problem is that it's a very convenient app. It's a very convenient service. I'm not against that. No. But the, the number one complaint uh, th- that... Uh, you know, we've been hearing from a lot of people now, just like what James had, had what mentioned. If. It's the what if you're yeah. in an accident. Major, major ratio, and we actually don't know yet how it's going to play out. 
Yeah. So I mean, for now, you're taking uh, you're taking your chances because, you like chances. you said, it's you know, it's wickedly convenient. You, you, <laughs> you, know? you know, John, with with regular taxis, if there is an accident, yep. every taxi here in, in the, the you know that operates yes. legally, they have commercial insurance. For sure, they do. Yeah. Uber, it's, it's, you know, gray area. You got it. We'll take a short break. In the meantime, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Uh, Savannah's direct number, 416-216-5910. And for questions, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. More of the Insurance and Injury Law Show on the way on Talk Radio AM 640. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca and www.injurycalculator.ca. Check it out. Uh, you've had an injury or you know someone who's had, punch in uh, some quick data. You'll get a dollar amount, a uh, ballpark figure, and then there's a free consultation button right at the top right corner. So we want to get into some of this, and this is, uh, we'll call these red flags and personal injury claims, okay? Sure. And to answer some of these questions, you've, uh, you know, you've been pretty successful in getting high-value awards for your clients in the past. Uh, what do you tell clients from the start? Well, you know, off, off the bat, when I meet with someone, I tell them uh, three things, really. Number one, tell the truth. I know it sounds elementary, uh, but, you know, there is a reason why personal injury lawyers uh, and, and just generally out there were called ambulance chasers, and you have this persona, and we have all these movies. <laughs> it's a great Surprise, expression. isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but there is a reason for that. It's, it's unfortunately a very, very dirty industry. Uh, it's very difficult to find uh, honest lawyers. It's very difficult to find honest clinics. Uh, and just in general... When, when you're dealing with insurance companies, uh, because they're in the industry, because their mandate is to save cost, mm-hmm. uh, they are looking for certain flags, uh, red flags. And because I used to work for insurance companies, uh, I know these flags by heart because I would, in fact, flag them for my client adjusters. Uh, so what I tell clients when they come in or potential clients is tell the truth. Uh, and you do this for three reasons. It's the right thing to do. It's easy to remember. And there's a good chance that if you lie, the insurance company is going to find out. That leads me to the second point. Very, very important for people out there. If, if you have uh, personal injury claims that are ongoing, uh, beware of this. Social media. Again, oh, yeah, big very time. elementary, but you'd be amazed how many times uh, you know, defense lawyers and insurance companies will go on Google, will go on Facebook, twi- Twitter, all those social media um, sites, and they will try and get the goods on you. Just like when you're applying for a job, a prospective employer may look you up. Same kind of thing when you're making a personal injury claim. Uh, now, a lot of people, even when they're injured, mm-hmm. legitimately injured, they portray themselves positively on Facebook, Because for people generally do. Exactly. And, yeah. and, and, you know, it's a way to keep in touch with people from other countries, uh, family, uh, other provinces. And so you're going to put, uh, you know, uh, pictures and comments out there that reflect positively on you that could get misconstrued. It, it, may, it may, may make it look like, oh, everything is hunky-dory in your life and, and you're not really in pain. Mm-hmm. So again, just be very, very careful about how uh, you, you use social media if you have a personal injury claim that's ongoing. Uh, the last point is something that goes back to what I discussed last show, which is try and get better medically and economically. This goes to the, uh, to the concept of mitigation. Mm-hmm. If you have a personal injury claim, you are expected... And it's, in, it's your obligation under the law to try and get better. What does that mean? It means following doctor's advice. It means that if you're told to do certain exercises that may help you, try and do them unless they hurt you. In which case, again, you, know, you go back to the doctor or the physiotherapist. You tell them that it's not working. Try something else. You have to get treated. You have to try and get better. Mm-hmm. If, uh, if you haven't been able to work after an accident... Again, have you tried to go back to work, you know, a few months later, a year later, two years later? You have no idea, John, how many times I would look at claims when I was working for insurance companies and I'm, and I'm looking at, 
you know, individuals who are, you know, 20 years old, 30, 40, you know, they don't have necessarily difficult type jobs, not factory, physically, you know, demanding jobs. Uh, they sit at their desk and they had a whiplash, uh, nothing too severe uh, of an accident a year back. And a year later, they they're, still not doing show, they're not doing yeah. anything. They're just watching TV all day. Again, that's a red flag. Very, very important for you to, to be able to show that you're trying to get better. Even if you fail at those mitigation efforts, even if you try to go back to work, at least that's documented. Shows the effort, right? You got it. And the insurance yeah. company and the defense lawyer cannot come back later and say, well, you never even tried. So you're taking the wind out, you know, mm-hmm. yep. taking the wind out of their sails. Very, very important. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on sale to get a hold uh, this afternoon. Uh, what kind of claimants do you refuse to help, or do you? Uh, yeah, I, I do. I do. <laughs> I, I know. I know some lawyers and some uh, law offices who just <laughs> take on any claim. Uh, no, uh, reputation is very, very important to us. Uh, for all the lawyers of practice in our firm. Uh, anyone that lies to me, and I can usually figure that out within a few minutes of speaking with them, uh, anyone who speaks uh, in a condescending voice or unpleasant manner to me uh, or my staff, completely unacceptable, mm-hmm. uh, and anyone who doesn't allow us to do our job. I mean, you know, if you're saying after an accident that you have difficulty working and I'm telling you that I'm going to have to get uh, uh, you know, your medical documents to show the insurance company that you're having difficulty lifting your arm or lifting your leg or whatever – and you're telling me no way I'm producing those documents, well, I can't advance the claim for you. Yeah, well, you're roadblocking. So you ha- exactly. So you have to follow what I'm telling you because I know what I'm doing. What kind of insurance, or at least what kind of claims do insurance companies love to deny? Uh, well, that goes back to How about the, all of them. Uh, well, <laughs> they love to deny all of them, exactly. But, but you know, this is going to lead uh, to a conversation about what kind of uh, uh, claims uh, they, they may like to deny, but they can't. Okay. Uh, but in terms of what they like to deny, well, it goes back to the other points. Uh, if they're looking at social media and they're saying that you can do absolutely everything, you know, you're saying you can't go to work, but suddenly you're posting photographs of, of you uh, uh, scuba diving in uh, Mexico last yeah. week. I mean, you know, we have to be reasonable here. Uh, so uh, uh, claims where, where they know that no one was at fault for the accident, that it was just your fault, they're going to deny that kind of claim. Right. So you have to be reasonable in how you uh, um, advance that claim. And, and, you know, we will have that conversation. That's the one thing I keep telling people. If you call me, if you call my team, right. you have no obligation, but you're, at least you're going to have the information you need to, to decide how to proceed. Take a short break. On the flip side, I want to find out what type of claims they love to pay. So I'll have to wait and uh, hear about that. 416-216-5910 is Savan's number. you got help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And in the meantime, check out injurycalculator.ca as well. More show coming up here, the Insurance and Injury Law Show on Talk Radio, AM 640. In the meantime, you've suffered an injury. You want to get uh, a ballpark dollar figure of what you could be looking at. Uh, very simple, www.injurycalculator.ca. We uh, go to the phones, as they say in the biz. Got to John in Burlington. Hello, John. Welcome to the show. Hey, John. Thanks for taking my call, guys. Real quickly, I was served on Friday with a statement of claim for a million dollars. A lady who my daughter rear-ended about a year ago slid into her very softly. No damage to either vehicle, but this lady decided to call 911 at the time. Emergency services showed up. Long story short, uh, she found a personal injury lawyer, and I was served with, uh, with, with papers on Friday, as, as was my daughter. Uh, with a large insurance company, and uh, we both have no demerits, good driving records. What what steps should we take? Uh, with, with uh, this is, I guess, a question from the other side of the desk, not from the claimant, but from the plaintiff's mm-hmm. side. What should I expect as the process now? How do I protect myself formally, and and uh, how do I get assurance that my insurance company will stand behind me on this and defend this action? Very good question, mm-hmm. John. Uh, so typically what's going to happen is uh, first thing you need to do actually is forward the claim to your insurance company. 
Now, I'm assuming okay. that your daughter was named because she was a driver, and yes. are you the owner yes. of the vehicle? Yes. So you were named as well, right? Yes. Okay, and you were named because under the Insurance Act, the owner uh, is also responsible for any injuries that were caused as a result of a car accident. Uh, so yeah, you give it to your insurance company, there's going to be an adjuster that's assigned uh, to, to, uh, to uh, look at the claim, and that adjuster is going to then uh, hire a defense law firm, uh, a, a lawyer like myself, um, the type of law firm that I used to work with, uh, and, okay. and their job is to protect you and your daughter. Now, if your daughter... Uh, um, re-rendered that individual, it's very likely, uh, in fact, that's what should happen here, uh, that you and your daughter should actually have almost no involvement in the case. Typically, what happens when you have car accidents uh, is that uh, somewhere in the middle of the legal process, uh, the other lawyer, the lawyer for the claimant, is going to want to examine you or examine your daughter, ask your daughter what happened during the accident. In this case, it's probably not going to happen. Because if your daughter rear-ended that individual, uh, then, uh, you know, there's nothing there. I mean, she was at fault for the accident. The only question now is, uh, what injuries did this person actually suffer? Now, let me talk about the $1 million. Yeah, Uh, big time. So so typically, these kinds of claims uh, are, in fact, uh, made for $1 million. It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant what the amount is that's actually on the claim. They can be suing for a billion dollars. They could be suing for a dollar. What's important is what the medical documents show. And the insurance company, one of the first things they're going to do, they're going to contact the claimant's lawyer. Uh, they're going to send them a letter saying, we've received your claim. We're confirming that our insureds, you, John, and your daughter have coverage. And by the way, if you have a standard automobile policy, you're protected up to a million dollars. So very important that's, for that's, you. I guess, why, uh, yeah. why they, the claim amount is a million, because it coincides with the policy. Right, except that the fact that they've claimed for a million doesn't mean that they're going to get anywhere near that. Mm-hmm. Okay, Some claims, uh, when, when you're, you're claiming for a million, uh, you know, you're going to end up settling for $10,000 or 100000 It really depends on, on the unique facts of the case. Nice. If this individual is really injured, they're going to get some compensation. But that's the reason why you and your daughter actually carry insurance. That's why I have insurance for mistakes. Now, here, here's, here's yeah. uh, if I could just add to the of question, course. and I, I appreciate the process, but it, it, if it's obvious that this is a frivolous claim, yes. which, you know, I think everyone, even the police, determined it is, and my daughter wasn't even charged, uh, so uh, it, how vigorously will the insurance company, you know, defend this or hire private investigators or, 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 or make sure this person doesn't get anything, or do they just hold their nose and write a small settlement check? You know, it really depends on a lot of facts. Uh, it, first of all, it depends on, on which insurance company you have. Different insurance companies have different ways of looking at claims, some of them looking at them more economically. You know, can we resolve the claim uh, for, quote-unquote, cheaply right now just to make it go away? Mm-hmm. Some insurance companies like to fight it out. Uh, typically, you're not going to have much uh, of a say here. It's going to be the adjuster or the supervisors there at the claims department who are going to make the determination. But it, a lot depends on what it is that comes out from the process. In other words, what medical documents is, uh, are produced. If that lady's lawyer uh, produces documents that show that you know, she perhaps had whiplash, but nothing more than that, you're not looking at a huge claim. It's, it's, you know, is it going to affect your daughter and, and your premiums? Probably because your daughter was at fault for the accident. I have no idea how much or how that would play out. Yeah. But yeah. th- again, keep in mind that uh, if, if they've claimed for a million dollars, you are protected up until that million dollars. So you really have nothing to worry about. 
Okay, it's, it's, it's really troubling, though. You feel like, is my home equity in, in, in no. jeopardy? Am I going to be garnished my wages? No. You know, all this stuff. No, you're not. No, if you have standard automobile policy and you have that $1 million in, in, um, in, in limits, which I'm sure you have uh, because that's we just do, standard, yeah. you yeah. have absolutely nothing to worry about. In fact, you're probably not going to hear much from the adjuster. It's just a big, scary letter. My it's God, suit for a million letter. dollars. Yeah, yeah I'm done. No, absolutely. Yeah, and, and John, you yeah. know, these kinds of frivolous claims happen all the time. That's yeah. why I'm saying that when someone comes to me, it's very important to analyze the case correctly. There are a lot of lawyers out there who are going to, you know, put claims forward for for someone who's not really injured at all, uh, or, or, or injured just a little bit. You know, it's just mm-hmm. a little bit of headaches, and it went away after a week. Yeah. Well, again, keep in mind: Are you going to get compensation? Maybe you will. Is it worthwhile for the person to drag them through the process? I'm of a different mindset as many lawyers. I, I, we don't work on volume. Uh, you know, I'm not going to put someone through a process only so that a year down the road or two years down the road, uh, you know, we can collect a check for a thousand bucks. That's not how we operate. So if I'm telling you you have a claim, you have a claim. We'll take a short break. Tony, hang on the line. We'll get to you, my friend, right after this uh, break. In the meantime, 416-216-5910. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca to get a hold of Savan. And check out injurycalculator.ca as well. More of the Insurance and Injury Law Show coming up here on Talk Radio AM 640. Injurycalculator.ca. Check it out if you're... Uh Currently suffering from an injury now, possibly making a claim out of it, as well help with the insurancelawyer.ca and myaccidentquestions.com. We'll get to uh, Tony. Thanks for hanging on the line, Tony. What do you say? Hi. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Hi, Tony. Uh, I am presently in a situation where I am uh, appealing a decision by Workman's Compensation. Uh, a brief history, I was injured at work last April. Uh, soft tissue, MCL strain, blah, blah, blah. I uh, went to work, toughed it out, re-injured it. Uh, MRI indicated a torn ACL plus meniscus damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, went through the entire process with workman's compensation, saw their doctors, saw their surgeons. It was deemed a pre-existing injury. I was pre-existing given, injury? Yes, I was given 12 weeks of compensation and said, see ya. <laughs> right. So now I'm sitting here, all I can do is walk. I can't climb stairs, I can't run, I can't do... Complete change of lifestyle. Right. And I am presently seeking uh, employment out of my field mm-hmm. because I can no longer do this that work. Okay. Right. So your question is, what can you do? What's the recourse? Yeah. Well, where do I go? Okay. Okay, Tony. Oftentimes I get uh, these kinds of claims for workers' comp. Uh, you know, with workers' comp, much like in the employment uh, uh, employment law uh, uh stuff that we talk about uh, where you're dealing with unionized employees, there's not much that we can do from the outside. You need somebody who deals with WSOB specifically. And Tony, if you call me after uh, after the show, uh, I'll definitely put you in touch with someone who deals with workers' comp. Cool. You have to go through their process. There's nothing that you can do uh, uh, vis-a-vis suing them or, or uh, me being able to go after someone who else who's, who's at fault unless, uh, unless the injury was caused by someone outside of WSAB, in which case we can go outside of that system. And we've talked about that... You know, we've talked about that before. Uh, but, you know, the issue, John, of pre-existing conditions, again, here you have a situation with workers' comp, and we've talked about that in, no- in another context where, you know, it comes up quite frequently. Yeah. And insurance companies do the exact same thing. They'll send you to doctors, and those doctors are going to focus on these issues you had before the accident, uh, and they're going to completely ignore the fact that, yes, you've had those issues, but this accident now re-aggravated an old injury or caused uh, an acceleration of an injury that, uh, that, you know, that otherwise was stable. And, 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 you know, perhaps you did not need that knee replacement uh, for another uh, 15 right. years, but now you're going to need it tomorrow. 
So, you know, this issue comes up quite often. Tony, that number, 416-216-5910. I want to get to the uh, last... Um point here we had just uh, the last segment we were talking about uh, the red flags and personal injury. We talked about what uh, insurance companies love to deny. Well, what claims do they love to pay? Well, they love to pay no claims. (laughs) Uh, See you next week, folks. (laughs) Yeah, and that applies not just in personal injury. It applies in travel insurance, uh, house insurance Uh claims, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, typically, like I said, uh, insurance companies are economic entities. They have a model uh, that they work with, and the model is to save money. Uh, for themselves, to make money. And the way they do that is to try and resolve claims as fast as possible. If that means sometimes paying a little bit more just to close the file, they will do it. So what are they looking at when we're dealing with personal injury? Uh, if they see a claim that has uh, that the individual suffered objective injuries, by objective I mean a broken bone, mm-hmm. something you can see on an x-ray, a tear of a ligament, something like that, or, or you know, when you have um, a neurological injury, mm-hmm. you, know, you can't move, you know, move your finger now because... Uh, uh, something fell on it, sure. uh, somebody dropped something on it. Those kinds of injuries, uh, insurance companies, those kinds of claims, they like to resolve those uh, fairly quickly, but especially when you're not dealing with an income loss component to okay. it. But, but, you know, but again, uh, they're going to look at, at, you know, the entire file. They're going to have their lawyers tell them if, if you know, your client is likable, if the individual comes across well. If you have someone that has an objective injury, but doesn't come across well. In other words, very argumentative. Uh, when when sure. the defense lawyer speaks to them, that's not going to bode well. So again, insurance companies like to pay out claims. Uh, they like to resolve claims. And when I say they like to pay out claims, I mean they like to resolve these claims. Sure. They don't like to have them on the books. For sure. Yep. Because at the end of the year, every year, uh, there is this push by insurance companies to resolve as many claims as possible. It just looks nice on their balance sheet. We've got, uh, we got about a minute left to answer this last email. George from Barry writes in, says, last month I was out for a run at a park near my house, and someone was walking their Doberman. Somehow he got away from the owner and jumped on me and bit my calf. Uh, I went to the hospital, and they switched me up. They stitched me up, rather. Uh, but the problem is that I work in deliveries, and I'm still off work. Can I get some compensation for my lost wages? Uh, yeah, George, absolutely. And, and you know, John, now with the good weather out there, uh, we're going to see a lot more people walking their dogs in parks. Yep. Uh, and generally, that's where we see a spike in these kinds of incidents where you have dogs that sometimes are on leash, sometimes are not on leash. Not muzzled. Uh, not muzzled. Uh, they may be attacking someone or attacking uh, other dogs. Very important for dog owners to know that there is legislation out there that imposes strict liability on them. What does that mean? It means that if your dog attacks someone or, or someone's property, you are responsible. There's no ifs, buts, or anything like mm-hmm. that. You are respo- The only question is how much your insurance company, you your it. home insurance company, who responds to this claim, is going to end up paying. So, you know, if you've been injured by, by a dog, uh, if, if, you know, you've had a property that was damaged by a dog, give us a shout. We'll, we'll speak with you. Uh, you're definitely entitled to compensation. And that person's insurance company, home insurance company, is going to respond gotcha. to the claim. Do it for another week, my friend. In the uh, meantime, 416-216-5910 is Savan's direct number. www.injurycalculator.ca. Check it out. And check out myaccidentquestions.com as well. This has been the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Talk radio, AM640.